What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a weekly show where we talk about video games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. How's it going? If this is your first time listening, thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to the show across podcast services such as iTunes or SoundCloud, as well as our YouTube channel where you can watch the video version of each episode. Side point, you can also now watch the videos on Twitch, although I realize since we're recording this on a Tuesday. I haven't uploaded the most recent oh, one come on, yet. Jared, I'm still not used to doing that. <laughs> and but now also you can listen to the uh, uh, the audio version. I'll get it out on iHeartRadio. I we have saw been that. added to the iHeartRadio. You didn't even directory. consult me about that. <laughs> I'm just trying to get us out there. I know. Everywhere. I'm just kidding. You do whatever you want, buddy. It's all helping. <laughs> so, I was excited about that iHeartRadio thing, though. A pretty yeah, big one. Awesome. I was pretty excited about that one too. So you can listen to us on iHeartRadio now. Or watch us on Twitch. Again, I have a full list of everywhere that you can watch and listen to the show on our website, teamchatpodcast.com. It's a page where to listen. It's got the full list there. But if you have any thoughts, questions, or suggestions, email us at teamchatpodcast.gmail.com or find us online on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Finally, we are a completely listener-supported show, so if you are enjoying and really loving what we're creating, please check out our Patreon page where you can support the show, and in return, we'll give you cool perks like getting the episode early before their general Tuesday release and access to our private Team Chat Podcast Discord server. If not, that's totally fine. We'll keep making the show week after week and bringing you great gaming content. Find out more at patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast. And a special thank you to all our current patrons who help make Team Chat Possible podcast possible <laughs> you almost had it and one more thing that people can do to support oh, the show God. you know if you're not able to if you're not able to, to become a patron if you can't you know be one of those recurring donors something else that really genuinely helps us is ratings and reviews on yes. itunes or facebook yeah. too I, I, or those facebook. were turned off originally and i didn't even realize that that was a setting that could be turned off or on but i turned them on now so yeah reviews there too i mean just dropping a little review on itunes for example that bumps your podcast up you know in itunes's algorithms and yep. that can really help us with our visibility being seen and of course gaining new listeners which is good for everybody more listeners means better content so slap that so subscribe sl- button hit that like and subscribe button and more importantly <laughs> reviews yes yes ratings and reviews those are all very important all right well before we get to our moment with mogan and the main topic of today we did have a listener email written in by our good friend cody peck boom if you'll remember a few episodes back i want to say also our episode... bad for forgetting last time cody yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> We're not perfect. We try to be, but we're not perfect every day. But uh, so a few episodes back, Cody came on to talk about video game localization and the main crux of that being Monster Hunter World because he was a big fan of that series and been playing that game since it came out. And he kind of gave us his first impressions of the game. Well, he's since then completed the game, given us his full review. And that's what he wrote in with here. So going to read through this real quick. Quite a few paragraphs, but we'll get through it. <laughs> he's just like, he's, he's just scrolling and scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. So we can, I'll pause in between and, uh, you know, we can react. Discuss, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. It's been a while since I was on the podcast, and it's been even longer time since I've actually written in. And in that time, I've put in many an hour into Monster Hunter World, 86 hours to be exact. Whoo! Nice. And even though this is barely scraping the surface, Jesus, of the content of a Monster Hunter game, I do feel that it is enough hours for me to give an official Monster Hunter World review. I wonder if it's like just barely enough hours, 86, or if it's like... To me, that's like usually for most games that I play. That's like, that's the end of the game. That's the end of the game. That's the platinum trophy. Exactly. Assassin's Creed Origins. Was 78, 79 hours, something like that. Oh, Got that platinum. Burn on Assassin's Ooh. Creed. 
But I, from what I hear, though, about Monster Hunter World, there's so much to do. Yeah. Just like it's it's ridiculous how much you could do. And I so Cody, I know you like to get those trophies. Sometimes I know you've platinum a couple. I think you platinum Horizon Zero Dawn, if I remember correctly. So how close are you to the platinum? I'm, I'm going to go on ahead and make my official guess right now. 20%. 20%? You 20%. Think he's enough to tr- I'm going to give him a little bit more credit than that, <laughs> being that he's gone 86 hours in. I'm going to get put him at a solid 57% on those You know trophies. what? I actually kind of think I agree with you. Um, I'm going to go... You can't change it now. Yeah, no, yeah, no you're right. 20%. I'm, I'm <laughs> maintaining my answer. Convictions, Jarrett. All right, here we go. But he says, before I begin my review, however, I will preface this by saying that I am a longtime Monster Hunter fan and veteran of the series. And while I have tried to remain as unbiased as possible in my review take my fandom into account and take what i say with a grain of salt so without further ado let's begin monster hunter old and new is a series with a very simple concept at its core you hunt monsters seems clear enough those monsters can range from the harmless albeit annoying jaggy i hope i'm saying these right to the imposing threat of the enormously powerful fatalis a dragon that made an entire civilization of people retreat from a castle it now calls home monster hunter is an rpg game without many classic rpg elements for example there's no level up system in these games that's interesting i didn't know that actually there is no way to improve your base character other than from how powerful you are when you first begin the game, the only way to improve this in-game is to hunt monsters, carve materials from their bodies, use said materials to make better armor and more powerful weapons, rinse and repeat. That's an interesting spin. I that like that. That is fascinating. I, I guess like even in Pokemon, for example, you can always improve your base stats. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that wasn't a feature of the Monster Hunter Well, in most series. like Dragon Age, you know, you have your, yeah, your yeah, you have allotment like of points and skill points and stuff like that. Dexterity, intelligence, yeah. that kind of stuff. Which and honestly, you can usually... I like this system because that old, the old yeah. system usually stretches me out, stresses me out. And I'm I like, mean, I don't know how yeah, to do this. Yeah, because you're like, I don't know if I'm making the right decisions. <laughs> and I can't change it. What if I want to have more willpower later? And see, this system of like... What if I like, want to have a silver tongue that can weave lies? <laughs> Whereas with this system where you're just obtaining the materials that you want and or need for the armor that you need, that's all about look. That's all about that's aesthetic. True. And so that's I'm true. really into that system. There we go. Uh, where was I? This I can't been... wait for the thrilling sequel, Monster Hunter Fashion Show. Ooh, fashion Ooh I have ideas. This has been the core of the Monster Hunter series since the very first title on the PlayStation 2, and Monster Hunter World is not different. Monster Hunter World has taken everything that made Monster Hunter great in the past, made many quality of life improvements, and made a few changes to the game without losing any depth of gameplay. Monster Hunter World starts with your character, a hunter, duh, on a ship sailing across the sea to a new continent to start life anew. On the ship, you meet a few companions and get introduced to your partner, Palico, which is a kitty cat that helps you hunt. Did I mention you get a pet kitty cat that helps you take down giant monsters? I didn't? Oh, well, yeah, you get a pet kitty cat that helps you slay giant monsters. And it's really cute. I do love the Palicos. Yes, so cute. And I love all the videos, too, that I've seen online of all the real cats reacting to seeing the palicos because apparently there's like a character customization for the palicos as well and so when the palico is just big on screen and the like cats are like <laughs> i don't like this all right uh and you have your ship get sunken get sank sunk by a sorry uh have your ship get sunk by a hundred foot tall monster called zora magdoras Ooh. while in the new world you have to hunt monsters to protect your fleet and others and to help expand all while trying to figure out what zora magdoras Magdoras is doing here and how to stop it. As with previous Monster Hunter titles, the story is not why you play the game. It's a lackluster story that doesn't really grab your attention, but that is not where Monster Hunter World shines. The gameplay is the star of the game and what will keep you coming back for more. Past Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter games 
had a very in-depth and complex fighting system that rewards patience and knowing your enemy. But previous titles have had clunky mechanics and sluggish controls at, at times. Monster Hunter World has the in-depth gameplay and improved fluidity and movement of the combat to make a more fluid and natural feeling combat while maintaining the difficulty of the game, which has always been a core component. Many claiming that if you like Dark Souls, you will like Monster Hunter. Oh, there we go. Maybe there it's go. just a more brightly themed Dark Souls. It seems Souls. to be that way. A little bit prettier. <laughs> it is very vibrant and pretty. Yeah. That's true. The armor system in Monster Hunter World compared to previous titles has been greatly simplified and made more manageable by the quality of life changes they have made to the game. At first, I was not a fan of the new system, thinking it would reduce the complexity of the game, but overall, it is a good change. After 45 hours into the game, I came to the point where I could face the final, in quotes, boss monster. This was... With me spending time to grind for the armor and gear that I wanted in the game so that you could probably get through it faster if you don't want to do that. Everybody likes to derp around in a good RPG. Exactly. You know, I'm all about doing that. Who does just the main story and blazes through? Nobody. I, want, I feel like people who have to review the game. Oh, yeah. I feel like, bad for those people. <laughs> yes. I, it's, it's, it's a half, half, you know, it's like glass half full and also half empty at the same time. A, I'm getting early access to these games, you know, if I was a, you know, actual viewer where they're sending me stuff early. But they're like, get you early access to these games but then you pretty much have to play the main story and like dabble in side quests so you can yeah. talk about it but you don't i feel like you probably wouldn't get as much time to actually fully right do everything so while it's cool that you would get everything early and before anybody else you don't get to do like the fun stuff exactly actually because you got to finish that one to do yeah. the next one you exactly. know what i'm saying it's a never-ending grind okay where was i keep losing my place Okay, after the final boss, more monsters can be hunted, new areas can be explored, and even more options for weapons and gear customization become available. This makes the late game in Monster Hunter World chock full of content to keep going. That's good. Yeah. Good in-game. A good strong in-game is key. Although the game has amazing high points, there are parts of the game that do not really strike home. Monster Hunter games are notorious for being a little too complex, and while World fixes many issues with this, it still falls into this pit hole a little bit. The online system, which is where the game needs to shine, was riddled with ambition that just fell flat on its face. The gathering hub, where you can meet up to other with other with up to fifteen other hunters online and engage in hunts with, is almost always empty due to how the quests end. This makes it very difficult to hunt with other people online, which is very troublesome for this game. Monster Hunter World also goes under the assumption that you will always be connected to the internet, so most of the menus go off that assumption and are confusing to navigate. But don't worry, there is an offline mode you can still play if you don't have access to stable internet connection. Despite all these cons, the game is simply incredible. Being on the PS4, an actual console instead of the 3DS, has made for not only a much better looking game, but also one that plays better, has more impressive content, and better server for online play with your friends, which is hands down the best way to play. Monster Hunter World has raised the bar for all future Monster Hunter titles and is, I believe, the best Monster Hunter title Capcom has ever released. And as of me writing this review, Monster Hunter World has updated the game to fix many of the issues I spoke of earlier, which means the developers are actively listening to the community and taking feedback. Whether you are new to Monster Hunter or an old veteran of the series like me, now is the best time to get into the series. It has never been easier or more popular than now. It is just a super fun game to play, and whether you play solo or with your hunting squad, and I highly recommend it. Monster Hunter World gets a 9 out of 10 f- from me. Going to change it to our rank system. Yeah, that's a 90%. 90 out of 100. Yeah. Yep. And that's a legit <laughs> 9 of 10. Not one of those bullshit safe answers that most reviews give. Nice. And one, now, one quick thing that I think Cody told me while we were talking about Monster Hunter the other day is that, uh, if, I'm, if I understood him correctly, I could have been spaced out. Who knows? He was saying that the 
early game, like the beginning of getting started, getting set up, yeah. learning the tutorial, I gather that that's a bit of a slog fest. Mm. So that early game might be a little bit painful to get through, but it sounds like from his review, most of the best content comes in the mid and the late game. Yeah. So apparently it's worth it. That's a 90%, so that's a pretty high praise percentage yep. from Cody. I hope I don't play the game and feel let down. Because that's a pretty strong recommendation. <laughs> what if your recommendation only comes clocks in like a 40%? Could be. It could be. <laughs> could be. You know, everybody looks at these games differently. That's true. All right. So, switching gears real quick to a bit of news and news. update. News. So, as of this episode's air date on April, April 17th, we will have Out Now Yakuza 6, The Song of Life for PS4. Coming very soon, Total War Saga, Thrones of Britannia. That's launching April 19th. Also on April 19th for PS4 and Vita, Metal Max Xeno. And then the big bads of the uh, month are finally coming out towards the end of the month. April 20th, we have God of War for the PS4. And then we also have, uh, for the Switch, the Nintendo Labo Variety Kit and the Labo Robot Kit launched side-by-side on April 20th as well. So for Switch people, you're getting the Nintendo Labo. PS4 people, you're getting God of War. Xbox, sorry. You still got stuck with Sea Thieves. <laughs> That's all you got. That's all you got. That's all you got going for you right now. I'm sure that we'll be hearing a lot more from Jared once he's actually able to play God of War. Yes. So here's the thing about that. I'm going to touch on this. Obviously, this game's pre-ordered. It's coming to my house April 20th. Not, don't, don't worry about that. And I've also got, on pre-order lock, the Stonemason Edition. So the big, the big bad, which I've gone back and forth on if I should downgrade to the collector's edition because the stonemason only has a few extra added little collectibles in to make the difference. But I realized I was actually looking at this today and realized that I used like reward points on my Amazon. So it'd actually be more expensive to go to the collectors or is only gonna be like $10 difference as opposed to like normal 30. So I was like, gonna keep it. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, so with that, I'm also got some work travel coming up and I'll be home on that day. But I only have like a couple days after that before I have to leave again. So I don't know how much time I'm going to get into it slash when I'm going to be able to put up the first impressions video of, of talking about it. But I am going to, it is my plan to do an unboxing of the Stonemason edition like we did last year with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, Breath of the Wild nice. special edition. So look forward to those coming out uh, in a couple days after you put listen Henry to this and watch video. this episode. Yeah, I'll see if he wants that to like, climb around. That would drastically increase. If, People, if, if, he fits, they, he sits, you if know they mean? see that cat in the in the thumbnail, they're going to be like, oh, I'm definitely watching A this. cat playing God a of cat War? playing God of War. I'm all about that. <laughs> and then no, just so I'm, so, I'm so psyched. I'm, I'm like legitimately... I, they keep PlayStation has been coming out with this constant stream of videos highlighting the series, highlighting it, talking about these new like how the progression system. There's even like a slight character customization apparently, and all this other stuff about it. And they even did one on the music, which I had to watch. Like I wanted to watch that one because it sounds so good. I bet the music probably is going to be baller. Be, well, I'm excited so, about that. I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years ago at E3, when they first announced God of War, they started off, PlayStation started off their show with a live orchestra. Oh, that was such a thing doing, to do at the time. Doing the God of War, <laughs> the new God of War theme. And so they're actually, so in this video, the composer, Bear McCree, it, it's like he, uh, they actually got this chorus, this choir that is from Iceland that sings old in Old Norse. Oh, nice. And so, but it's like, Oh, it's so good. So I, but I've tried to stay completely. I mean, from these little bits that is pieces that I see, but I'm not watching videos except for the music one because duh. 
And I didn't think that would give too much away from the actual like gameplay and stuff like that. But I haven't watched gameplay. I haven't watched anything other than trailers that have come out because I'm trying to Good. stay fresh yeah. and new to this game. Go I'm in so blind. excited. Yeah, you got to go in blind. That's the way to do it. Yep. And then in just random other odds and bits and bobs of news from around the web, Yokai Watch 4 has just been announced for release on the Nintendo Switch mm. in Japan this year. So Japan is getting a new version of Yokai Watch, Yokai Watch 4. This will be its first installment on a console. So this is its first four-way into Switch territory. That's going to be released in Japan later this year. Cool. There's no release date for um, the West quite yet. It will presumably come to us probably sometime in 2019, uh, depending on the localization. Uh, according to the CEO and president of Level 5, the people who make the Yokai series, it's super extremely enhanced content. Super extremely. They use that phrasing, super extremely enhanced content, and that basically all of the content is going to be upgraded and made better on the Switch. And then Sega is polling on Twitter for which costumes people would want to see in its upcoming, uh, not, not upcoming title, but an upcoming title, Persona Dancing. So Persona has done some crossovers before, and so yep. has Sega. So they're basically doing a poll right now about whether or not people want a specific Yakuza or Sonic the Hedgehog or Virtua Fighter skins for your characters in Persona Dancing. That sounds crazy. Yep. Crazy awesome. And that uh, Persona Dancing, I believe, is coming out later this year in May of 2018. Cool. So or at least the new iteration of Persona Dancing is. Yeah, because hasn't there been Persona something yeah, there have Dancing been other, All Night or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, Dancing All Night was the first one. This one is, I think, Dancing Star Night okay. and Dancing Moon Night. I believe what I am dancing correct. Dancing Sun Night? No. No? Nobody dances in the sun. Praise the sun. People can see you that way. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that, Jared. And then this is news that just really hit home for me. For the 30th anniversary of the Mega Man series, this year Capcom is bringing all of the Mega Man X titles to the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC oh, wow. on July 24th. And the catalog of the X games is going to be split up over two titles, Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and Mega Man X Legacy Collection 2. The first collection has Mega Man X through X4, X4 being the best one! Mega Man X4! And then the uh, second disc will contain X5 through X8. A uh, retail version is going to have the two-disc bundle. So both will also come with a new X challenge mode, featuring battles against two bosses from different X titles simultaneously, Ooh. and other new content. Nice. And that's all we've got. Well, there we go. There you have it. Your news and coming soon. And that brings us to today's topic. Yes. Which is something that Jared and I just kind of thought of on our own as we were Don't just... technically you thought of it on your own. Oh, I suppose I take it. Take credit where credit's due. But we've talked about this subject quite a bit in the past, mostly in passing and just sort of in like a joking or for yeah. funsies way, because the topic of today uh, is more or less educational games. Which is something I haven't touched since I was a wee lad. And you know, it's something that we've actually never really talked about no, on the show. Episode, we've never just sat down. We, we may have mentioned them in passing, and you know, everybody jokes about the Oregon Trail right. all uh, which the time. Which I know we've talked about before. I mean, how many people have you know that died of dysentery? Am I right? Uh, several. So many. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad they fixed it. Glad they fixed it. Back in the old Oregon Trail days, they didn't have newfangled medicines that <laughs> no, could fix they just dysentery. Had to let them die. <laughs> 
and let them die. <laughs> let the caravan move on without them. <laughs> yep. But so, so yeah, so we just wanted to talk about for this episode, we wanted to go back and kind of reminisce a bit. Uh, not necessarily have a list or anything like that, just more of just these, these games and like how, because honestly, like so, several, like I said, I haven't touched many of these games in upwards of 15 years. Yeah, like, literally. You know, so it's, so as far, and then most of the descriptions for these, like I was going back and looking at some of them on Wikipedia and different things like that. There's not a whole lot just like other than basic story plots and premises, uh, if they even had plots and premises or not just like a collection of random activities you could do. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so what, what was one of these ones that struck a, struck a chord for you? Well, first, before we kind of get into the ones that we all know and love or that hopefully everybody knows and loves, I do have a quick, like brief annotated history of the educational okay. gaming subset. So obviously educational games are really something that is it's it's its own unique corner of the industry. Yep. Uh, education games are primarily targeted towards either educators, so teachers, for use with their classrooms, or of course parents. So the primary target of these audiences would really ultimately not be the end user, which is the child. It's more geared towards who actually has the purchasing power to make that actual sale, which is the educators and parents. So the very first game that we could now know as an educational game came out in 1970 and it was a computer program called logo logo blended mathematics and programming in order to teach players the basics of coding by directing a turtle shaped cursor to draw lines that's literally all you did you had your turtle and you basically had to like input code by learning through the program to be able to draw lines Followed very shortly after that came the most well-known educational game probably of all time, The Oregon Trail. Right. So developed by Mech, that's M-E-C-C, this was released in 1971. So literally just a year after Logo would have been released. However, Oregon Trail was not available for home purchasers until the first mass-produced personal computers became available Back in the in the eighties, I believe mm-hmm. it was. So initially, the Oregon Trail could only be found uh, at uh, schools because only teachers had the ability to actually purchase the software needed to be able to install it on their computers. So pretty much during the entire seventies, you just didn't have the ability to play the Oregon Trail unless you were literally in school. Uh, so of course, the aim of the game is to teach American geography and history by having to guide your family along the way during the eighteen hundreds from the east. Uh, no, not oh, usually the East Coast. The I feel like it normally right? kicks off in in uh oh crap. Where do you, Missouri? Oh, oh Missouri. Okay, Independence, Missouri. I want to say that's one of the starting places. You, you started like, like a trading post, well, right? Okay, wait. My the one that I played the most at the Oregon Trail was Oregon Trail Two, and this one I believe it, you uh, let you start in. I think you had three starting locations. That were kind of like your difficulty settings? Not necessarily. I think, it, well, maybe, because some of them maybe have like a longer trail. Now i got to look this up. Yeah. But I want to say one of them was Independence, Missouri. Um, I feel like they were all in like Missouri, Arkansas. I don't think there was one in Oklahoma. Well, you look that up. We'll just sort of yeah, breeze keep, through this. Keep going. And then pretty much after the Oregon Trail became a big thing, the market for educational ca- gaming stayed really small at first. Again, because during the 70s and the early 80s, people just didn't have the ability to buy these games for themselves. However, the release of the Apple II personal home computer in 1977, followed by the Commodore 64 in 1982, brought personal computers into many Americans' homes and 
the business changed drastically and has now morphed into educational gaming as we know and love it. So one of the uh, peak titles that would have come out during the initial start of mass market for educational gaming would have been everybody's favorite. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? I did play some of that game. Originally released in 1985, the game had players chasing art thieves all over the globe and quizzing them with randomly generated geography questions. Uh, this was largely considered to be one of the first fun educational games. I gather a lot of people didn't really like the Oregon Trail, but Car- <laughs> Carmen Sandiego is it. an icon, so it has spawned numerous sequels and its own television show. Yep. There's no Oregon Trail show. No. Everybody would die. Uh, you, you can't show too many. Also, you know, kid's who show be wants like, to animate dysentery? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> right, gross. <laughs> and, the under, and, and so all of this kind of eventually leads into what really now is modern educational gaming that is not so much hardcore, these games are for educators and parents. There definitely is that market, especially for really young kids, you know, ages three to six and that kind. Uh, but really, one of the modern-day goliaths of educational gaming now is Minecraft. Yeah. My, I mean, when you really think about it, you can make anything in Minecraft, and you can, by extension, teach anything in Minecraft in Minecraft. So a lot of teachers are finding that if they make their lesson plans in Minecraft and release that to their students, they get really good results. And of course, the uprise of the iPad, which is a much more affordable and less destructible version of an iPhone slash laptop that people can easily give to their children. They've got thousands of apps available now that would be considered educational games. That has really made educational video gaming a really mainstream and super accessible part of the market. I don't unfortunately have many figures on how much money is actually generated by the educational gaming industry, but I would bet it's in the gazillions. Well, I mean, and and it's pretty much like right, you know, it's been throughout the throughout the time, it's always been like two or three companies like MECC, uh Broderbund for a little bit. They made they started making the Carmen San Diego games and then eventually when Broderbund was bought by the learning company. The learning company is the juggernaut right. of educational gaming. They, they make everything. Yeah. And so it's probably pretty much them. Okay, so I did figure it out. I don't know why. Indep- oh, no, yeah. Independence, Missouri. Yes. <laughs> yes. Memory. I learned something. <laughs> uh, and then you could either start, so in either Independence, Missouri, St. Joseph, Joseph, Missouri, Canesville slash Council Bluffs, Iowa, and Nauvoo, Illinois. Let me see that one. Nauvoo, N-A-U-V-O-O. You're probably right. I hope so. I have no idea how to pronounce that. I do not mean that. to <laughs> offend the citizens of Nauvoo. <laughs> Illinois. It's probably if like it's that's probably even Nouveau. still a thing. Yeah, right. That town might might not even be there anymore. And then you could choose to go to end different ending uh, ending areas: Oregon City, Sacramento, Jacksonville, Oregon, or Salt Lake City. Really, that's fascinating because when I was in a Oregon kid, Trail too. I'd, oh, okay, an Oregon Trail 2. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I, truthfully, I don't know which version or versions I played. I do remember that when I was first exposed to the Oregon Trail, this would have been mid-90s, would have been when I was in elementary school. And we really had our first class, computer class, that was probably my first exposure to mainstream PC computers. We had those old, super candy-colored Macs. I, I, iMac, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or eMac. I think it was iMac. Cool, because they had both. Was eMac the square one? eMac, no, eMac, well, iMac was the ones that eventually looked like the first ones kind of started looking like a, I think they did have the, 
crap. I don't remember. We had the ones we that had, had, had like I've seen the, both um, at one point, and I always thought like E was like educational Mac, and that's why they oh, called it that. So it was the one more like geared for schools kind of maybe thing. Maybe we did have those then. I All I know is that they had like kind of the clear see-through casing, and the backs would either be like bright pink or bright yeah, yeah, blue yeah. or bright like lime those. green. And like the, you know, they had the little rainbow apple logo. Mm-hmm. It was very, like to a kid, I was like, these are awesome. I want it for them. Yeah, because if you make anything candy-colored and shiny, well, and it, kids you are going to be like, through. I want and you could see through them, yeah. which as they found with the uh, special edition crystal versions of the GameCube, not the GameCube, the Game Boy Advanced and the yep. Game Boy Color, I was like, Everybody I likes want to see the that. Gadgets inside. We have to see what's in it, which is really just another uh, plus for educational gaming. Mm-hmm. If you if you tell kids what's inside, they will want to know more. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So another fun thing about the Oregon Trail too. Oh, and where was that uh, all that like that that timeline from? So if it, people wanted to go back and like kind of read through That's the whole thing. That's a great question. <laughs> you you talk about something okay. else. while I because so, I know I found it from somewhere. Okay, just you know, want to be if people want to go look into it more, just so they know where to look. Uh, but yeah, Oregon Trail two. I remember playing that one. I probably played the the most of. But we also did have not the original version of Oregon Trail, but we had like a a remake or redone version of the Oregon Trail that was on floppy disk actually. Okay. I found this article from Immersed Gaming. Excuse me, Immersed Games. So it's called The History of Educational Video Games on ImmersedGames.com. Boom. There you have it. You can go check it out there. Yeah, the whole um, article was actually really interesting. Nice. I want to go read, read. Yeah, I want to go read through it. Uh, but so I remember playing a little bit of the original of the first Oregon Trail on these floppy disks, and but then we later got Oregon Trail 2, and it was so much better because it was more interactive. It, it used that... Uh, Full motion video. Do you remember that's full what, motion video? It's where they would basically film live actors and then like input it. So it's like, but it also it looked like just really terrible green screen all the time. Wait, so that they would they put an overlay over it so that it looked like it was almost animated? Yeah, rotoscoping. Well, no, that's the yeah, but yeah, no, it's, is that it's, the same thing? It's similar. It's okay. a similar thing. I know what you're talking about. So like full motion video. Full um, motion video. That yeah. sounds like fake news. <laughs> no, it's a good thing in like in, in cutscenes. Let me see, let me just f- find a video here. But I remember that being a fun thing because I remembered at the time being like, oh wow, that's cool. They're, it's like real people. It's like they're act. It's their wait actors. in the Oregon Trail. Yeah. Oh my god, I think I forgot about that. Yeah. Wait, look it up in the Oregon Trail. I know that's what I'm doing. Oh my god, I want to see this. I like that's a memory that I didn't realize I, I had. That's why we do not oh, talk about these older things every once in a this while. This is why I'm glad we're bringing it up. Oh yeah. Oh man, they had like. They did. They had people yeah. that would talk to you about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly normal educational stuff. Uh, let's see. I don't know if any of these are going to do it. Are going to have a... Yeah, just pick pick the second one there. Oh, man, that music. Yada, yada, yada. I don't care. I want to find where somebody's going to talk to me. See, so it's like this guy. Oh, when you would come yeah. and like talk to him. See, like he's frozen there looking all creepy. Or like here. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. The shop clerks. You're right. Like they're real people, but they'd be just frozen until they had to like say a line and then they like come and like move. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Like all these people, you could click on them and then like. Oh, yeah. Good old independence. But anyway, so that was a big thing that I remember, like, being a big part of these. Uh, stop talking. 
There we go. Of uh, being like part of these these earlier games like that, and I remember loving that because it was. They also did that in uh, Rebel Assault Two, not an educational game, but that was Wars. like I don't was that Oregon Trail Rebel Assault Two. <laughs> but uh, but no, but I love the Oregon Trail, and that's probably the one that I not Oregon Trail was probably the second most played educational game for me. The you number know, one for me. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, all I was gonna say is seeing it. That probably is the version I played. Yeah, it looks so like Oregon I Trail probably two. grew up on Oregon Trail two because it as came well. out, I believe, in ninety five. Is what? Yeah, it said. that would make more sense for my timeline. So. The one, though, that I played the most, because it hit all the buttons for me as, as being one that I had to learn. You know, I could, be, I could pass it off as I'm learning, but it also had more action, had a little bit more gameplay to it than just go to these areas and solve the puzzle kind of thing, was Operation Neptune. I've never even heard of this. You are what? missing out. Oh my, I probably am. Tell me about Operation Neptune, so Operation, good sir. Operation Neptune was from 1991, actually. Oh, so pretty early uh, on. Yeah, so early on. Uh, and it was the learning made by the learning company. Classic. And so what it is, is apparently this space capsule fell from space into the ocean. Okay. And some radiation or whatever from it is starting to mutate and have an effect on the sea. Oh my. And so what you have to do then is go you are in this submarine that goes through all these like underwater caverns and passageways, you know, typical 2D pl- platformer like right. you know, you got to and everything, but you kind of side scrolling. Yeah, side scrolling, gotcha. but you have to like go down into some areas, go across, go up, you know, go through kind of navigate all this stuff, but there would be all these fish that would be swimming around different kinds of fish like I remember barracudas being really bad puffer fish, you'd be going by them they all of a sudden whoop, you know, <laughs> and if they hit you, you would lose oxygen in your submarine oh, and eventually, you know, that's your life, your health bar basically. Right. But you would go for specific amounts of time and then you would have to answer a question. All math related, which was terrible for oh, me. Oh, it was all math? Oh, math never mind. Related. I would have hated that game. And I, I mean, oh my gosh. I, I hate math. I'm terrible at math. Still don't really know math at all today, to this day. So you didn't learn anything. No, because, you know, <laughs> you play the game enough, the questions start repeating themselves, and then you can just go on. Uh, but still, I was able to overlook that and just enjoy it because you could also. Uh, to help along, you had ink pellets that you could shoot out of your submarine. If you hit a fish, it would cloud them in, it would cover them in a cloud of ink, and you could go by them, and they would like. Oh, so they would leave you them. alone. So there was this like shooting aspect to it. <laughs> That's was, the only reason you liked it. Uh, no, it was so fun because you could like go really fast and like have to dodge, and you could like have to time your like your turns to the sub, or like you could turn the sub in a completely in, like in all directions. Obviously, still in the two D space, but you could turn it where it was facing you. Going, you know, pointing to the left, pointing to the right, and you would could use those configurations to like skirt by, just like be going fast and just like skirt by, oh, like a, okay. a, a, a juke fish, juke them, yeah, out. exactly. So it had so much fun and so much gameplay, and that one I legitimately played. I don't even know how many times I played through that game and beat because it was if I wasn't playing it, my brother was playing it, and I was watching him play. It. <laughs> and so you know, why would you watch someone play a math game? <laughs> Why does, why I mean, does, that's just that's proof bit, that it was a good game. It, it was a good game, and honestly, if Twitch had been around back then, I would be top dog streamer Dude, of Operation should, Neptune. You have got to find Operation Neptune. Oh, there's probably Neptune no way to play that unless you have the old computer. Come on. Actually, so uh, for people that are wondering, you can still play the Oregon Trail on, I believe it's archives.org, oh, yeah? gamingarchives.org or something like that. I wonder if some of there's, these other ones are on there. I'll have to look it up. There's definitely a free source out there where you can just freely play the Oregon Trail. But so if you were interested in that kind of game, that makes me think of Math Blaster, of course. Oh, yeah. So did you like Math Blaster? 
I liked Math Blaster. I did not have Math Blaster. Oh, because Math Blaster, sucker. I believe, was only PC. Oh. You know, now that I think about it, I'm not sure if we played it in school. I know we I had, had it. I had a friend who had it. We had it on our family's first, like, real family computer. Yeah. You know, where you have it, like, up at a sacred place in your house. Right. Where it's, it's like, like the yeah. it's like the room. I mean, for me, it was, you know, our school room. Because I was homeschooled. No, because I, uh, I like that you whispered it. Homeschooled. 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 But so was my friend who was who like who had Math Blaster. They were they were homeschooled too, and so they had it in their like office schoolroom and all that stuff. But yeah, I remember playing Math Blaster. I liked Math Blaster because it was normally like it was easy enough stuff that you know, I mean, easy ish enough stuff. I'm not going to give myself too much credit that I still could have fun playing that game for what it was and what it was supposed to be. Have you seen the new like edgy versions of Math Blaster? No. Dude, look at this edge lord. <laughs> oh my god. He looks like Goku and Sonic smashed oh together god. to be a super cool dude. Space Cadet Math Blaster. That's ridiculous. No, the Math Blaster that I think probably both you and me had looked more like um Maybe like a Looney Tunes character. Like he was just a little green dude and he had on like a green space helmet, little green suit, yeah. like little and yellow it, well, antenna coming out. Didn't he have like a little blue out. buddy? He did. Yeah, he had like a little blue friend that was like just some sort of random, you know, he kind of looked like a Pikmin. Yeah. He kind of looked like a space Pikmin. And I don't remember anything about Math Blaster other than this one specific level that was like, it was of course a 2d game Mm -hmm. and you would have to jump around and like hit certain numbers to make your equations work out. And I think that there were like gems or something that you could also collect for bonuses. Yeah. I don't remember. That kind of sounds familiar. I don't remember ever getting a question right. I don't know what happened if you did get one right. Uh, I was terrible at math as well. Maybe that's just something that a lot of video game people (laughs) wind up with. I was equally as bad at math, period, no matter what I tried. Even in every other educational game that I played, the math levels were my bane of my existence. They were terrible. That's why I loved Oregon Trail and other... Did you play any of the other trail games? uh, No. Did you not know that they had no, other No, the what now? Yeah, so apparently they made other trail games later. I've only played two of the other ones, but um, but yeah, they did. Let's see. I was looking at this earlier. Dude, they should make a modern version that is like hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but like the Oregon Trail. That stuff would be fun, you that, know? And like it's all hippie, hipster backpackers. That would be so funny. <laughs> Let me see. Where's my list? So-and-so's REI co-op tent has suddenly sprung a leak. <laughs> what can you do to fix it? <laughs> Uh, I should pitch that to REI. I know, seriously. They should team they up should with the learning on, they should company. Get on that. They should get on that. Uh, let's see. Who, what were all the trail games? Through hiking the Appalachian Trail. So Oregon Trail, Amazon Trail, Yukon Trail. Oh, the Amazon Trail. Africa Trail, and Maya Quest. Wow, okay, the only one I think I may have known was Amazon Trail. Amazon that one Trail, sounds familiar. I played a lot of that one too. That one was fun, but it was also so much harder. Amazon Trail was it really? It was so much harder because well, because it's different. You would start off in the in you know at the head of the Amazon River. You had to choose your guide. What you know, one of them would have more like food. The other I one have like a tent. That you got to choose a guide. Yeah, and then you would totally like have to set off on your own. But you had to paddle up the river. You had to avoid obstacles in the river. But then also you know you had to you had to hunt a, or not hunt, but fish. Uh, which you know could be difficult, and you, you know you had to. Th- I remember you had to throw like harpoons and spears and stuff oh. at them, and you like the longer you held down the the click button, the left click would how long you would charge it, so you could throw it deeper and oh, hit deeper, harder fish okay. and bigger fish. Um, 
And so there was all that stuff like that. But then the big thing, which I totally forgot until I remembered, until I was reading up on this one a little earlier today, that you were like, as you started the game, were in a dream vision sequence, which is totally weird, visited by this jaguar who was like the jaguar of the Inca king from way back when. Oh my god! Thing. So like from El Dorado the movie. It's kind of like the spirit quest <laughs> oh thing almost. You're exploring the Amazon, but then also going on this this spirit vision quest that you were set up set off on by this jaguar, and you had that's, to like collect gifts for the Inca king. And that's phenomenal. So it kind of had, and then what I didn't, the part of that though, and how they they integrated that in is that there was a slight time travel thing. So like you would go to these certain areas and like travel through this blue mist and then you would come out and you would be at this settlement or this village but like Henry Ford was there, like, you know, getting rubber from and you know, everything for his, t- and you would talk to him about how he was using the rubber to like, you know, for the tires and parts for his Model T and all this other stuff. Oh so, you gosh. know, all these different things. But I remember that one being a little bit more difficult because I felt like you had to do a little bit better resource management than Oregon Trail. I don't remember. But the hardest of all of them was Africa Trail. So that's the, so this one was a little different in that you weren't ca- canoeing or down a river. You weren't on, you know, covered wagons going across the American prairie. This one, you were on a bike and you were by, by, by cycling. <laughs> Simple word, hard to pronounce. Bipedaling, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. uh, biking through Africa. This one, I remembered constantly, I, I felt like I could never get anywhere in this game. I would maybe play it for, play it for like an hour and then I, like all of my, my teammates, would like somebody was like having a wreck and he was too hurt and needed to go home. This one fortunately didn't have any like. So dying. was the premise that you were like on a race? No, you're just on a cross country bike trek wow. to explore Africa, basically. Fascinating. And so, uh, but yeah, but I, I, that one like I was constantly getting flat tires, having kept buy new new rubber, uh, new tires and uh, inner tubes, all this other stuff for it. Could never, I don't think I ever beat that one, and I probably started. Over 20 times. Just like would get, but also, again, young kid not fully understanding all the things that need to go into prepping yeah. for a cross country trek. You know what I'm saying? Of course. So, you know, but yeah, the trail games, I had a lot of fun with. That's really funny. So, actually, I kind of want to briefly touch on the fact that I'm not sure if we actually learned anything that wound up being useful uh, from any of the Oregon Trail games. Because think about it, the only things that I actually remember from the Oregon Trail are. Getting a flight, you know, breaking one of your tires on your wagon wheel, having to cross a river and your wagon, you know, your raft collapses and you like lose people or you lose supplies. Um, not being able to cross the final river in Oregon where you have to like go down the rapids. Oh my God, that part was so hard. So hard. And hunting. Like hunting where it was would, the best. Part. Well, hunting was the best part of the game, where it would like briefly go to that screen where like animals would, would just run, run across. across the screen in straight lines, and it was just like. Um, but some would be faster than others. Yeah, like especially the ones off in the distance. Yeah, they'd be like the fast. You ones. had to really lead. And them. I remember. So if anything, it taught you how to lead. Oh yeah, it taught you how to lead, and I remember like that's why you're probably Genji main now, right? <laughs> that's probably what it is. Absolutely. That's I remember that like probably about halfway through the game or so, when it finally started getting difficult, I guess the landscape would tr- change to like 
like these pretty purple flowers mm-hmm. and grasslands and you would finally encounter bears. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, things are getting serious. But I rarely even got to the bears because all of my people probably died of dysentery. starvation, dysentery, or drowning. Yeah. So I don't Why couldn't actually they stay know. in the wagon? So my question is, I don't know what that game actually taught me. If anything, I think in that one was to be more of the historical perspective of what life on the trail was supposed to be. I, I don't mean, know if that was necessarily going to teach you like, here, I mean, you learned about facts. You learned about all these these cities along the way that you would stop in. I remember you, if you passed landmarks like Chimney Rock, you know, that, uh, what's the, now I can forget where it's oh, at. so you didn't learn anything. I mean, I learned about it. It's that rock that looks like just straight up chimney. <laughs> it's you the know? rock that looks like a chimney. Wherever you know, that is. You know the one. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, though, they probably had a much greater impact on our young, impressionable minds back then. They where, probably you did. You know, we were in that stuff every day. You know, when we weren't playing that, we were reading a book in school about it or something like that. So I'm sure that paired with a book did a lot. It probably did. And, and I'm now sure that our we're teachers at, we're probably grown. tried to integrate that information somehow. Right. But man, in terms of just sheer actual learning, I think that the learning seer the learning company's other major series that probably did have actual impact on my and at least bro mogan's brains is of course the jumpstart series oh yeah so the jumpstart games i'm sure that we had the majority of them but i don't the think we ones, had one or two of them the ones that i remember the most were jumpstart three which i believe took place on some sort of mountain and like the mountain was full of robots i think oh, really? it was like robot mountain yeah and you had to like traverse through the mountain i think you were trying to get Let's to see. the top maybe and along the way you would encounter all of these different subject areas that you would have to clear, basically. I think one of them had to do with time travel, and you know, you had to jump in, travel back in time, and I guess like meet historical figures or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't actually remember learning anything again. Uh, but there was also a section where you were like in a kitchen and you had to learn about cooking, I think. There was a section where you had to learn math, of course. Right. I hated the math sections. And there would be sections on like reading and writing and typing and stuff like that. But Robot Mountain, which I'm not actually sure if that's what it's called. That's just what I call it. Jumpstart third grade Robot Mountain was vastly outclassed by its significantly better older brother and or sister. Jumpstart fourth grade Haunted Island. Okay, I didn't play Haunted Island, but I know I played Jumpstart fourth grade. I might be be getting the name wrong. Because here's the thing. Jumpstart... First, oh, because they would have different ones at for each. It is Haunted Island. I was right. That was one of them. Yes. Yeah, Haunted Island. Jumpstart. What was the one that was like? Oh my god! I think Jumpstart Fourth Grade Haunted Island is now on archive.org. What? It didn't used to be. Oh my god! I have to play it right now. So, because I remembered playing one. Because what was the what was the character? I know they would sometimes change, but what was the like? Wasn't it a wiener oh, dog? Hold up, hold up. So it says this version of the game, Haunted Island, was released in '96, but was retired from the line in year 2000 and replaced with Jumpstart Adventures Fourth Grade Sapphire ah, Falls. Okay, so yeah, that's what I'm looking at here. So whatever the hell Sapphire Falls is, that is the fake knockoff version. It is not the real Jumpstart Fourth Grade. Do not be fooled, listeners and kind watchers and patrons. Jumpstart Fourth Grade's only best and true version 
is Haunted Island. Dude, that game was so legit. So on Haunted Island, you were like a kid, and you had been transported to this Haunted Island. Maybe you had even been kidnapped. I don't remember how you got there, but I know that the whole point of the game is that you have a yearbook, and the yearbook is full of people that look like just monsters. Like, it's just full of monsters, like frog monsters, werewolves, vampires, a mummy, all of that stuff. But what you actually find out is the monsters are kids. <gasps> oh my god, right? My god. Oh my god. I'm a kid playing a, a game monster? about kids. And what you find out is that a witch who lives on the island has been going around and kidnapping kids and turning them into monsters. That is oh, not the jumpstart no! I remember playing. No, this version is way, 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 way better. Because I think I didn't, I didn't probably play, I probably played Jumpstart when those versions that had already been retired from the line because my younger sisters were been playing oh, them. Oh, maybe so. And so I either saw most my uh, experience or uh, exposure. Thank you. Exposure to Jumpstart was to- was purely from the if ones. If you had that they played more of Jumpstart fourth grade, your vocabulary skills would probably be vastly improved. <laughs> oh, showboating over here. <laughs> showboating with Jumpstart fourth grade Haunted Island. <laughs> so the the real keys of Jumpstart fourth grade Haunted Island were the atmosphere. How many other educational games do you know of that are? dark and creepy and they take operation place on Neptune. a haunted island well operation neptune maybe because at the end you started running into these like mutated fish Ooh, and gosh stuff. i bet that is probably pretty yeah. creepy and cool it was cool but yeah so haunted island was really kind of like a point and click adventure because okay. you know you weren't freely moving around the environment you would have to click on sections to go to them but it wasn't like 2d it was kind of like a more semi-realistic 3d environment and the goal of the game was to travel to all of the different subject areas Botany. I think there was one. There was one where you had to like grow plants through logic puzzles. There was history, which took place in tombs, like Egyptian tombs. And it was actually kind of set up like a uh, Mahjong game where you had to match tiles of like historical things that had happened. Interesting. So basically, what it would do is it would give you like an image, and like one of the tiles would be Martin Luther King, for example. And then one of the other tiles would be text. So not an image, but text of something related to Martin Luther King. And you would have to match those two to be able to get the tiles. That was actually a really cool version of a learning game that I now recognize was Mahjong. But at the time, I didn't know that. I was just like, yeah, JFK, this stuff's fun. (laughs) History. (laughs) History, yeah. (laughs) I liked history because I hated the vampire math maze. That sounds Dude, that part sucked. So you were like a Dracula right and you were mm-hmm. having to go around this maze and like basically get numbers it was kind of set up like pac-man actually so like the maze was top down and you had to navigate your vampire around to solve the equation on the top of your screen yeah so it'd be like uh, blank plus blank equals blank and certain parts of it would actually be like empty or filled in and using what you had you had to fill in the rest of the equation but you had to do all of this while dodging Ghosts. Ghosts. Blatant Pac-Man ripoff, I realize now as an adult. But at the time, I was just like, fucking hate math. Fucking hate the vampire. (laughs) Goddamn hate this game. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like this game at all. There was actually a section where you were like a 
troll, I guess. I actually think you were technically just a hunchback, but kind of a monster too. And you like lived in a bell tower mm. and it was the music portion where you oh, like okay. had a piano and you would learn how to play music, but only with one finger, of course, because oh, it wasn't obviously. like super in depth. Uh, I'm playing for at least on that. Thing. No. The other good ones were chemistry where you were trying to turn a frog prince back into a prince. Okay. He never did get back to all prince, uh-huh. but you could like make his whole head human again. And he'd be like, thank you. So it I, at least I'm now even more of a freaking nature. Close enough. <laughs> and the game was amazing. And if you completed enough of the subject areas, the whole goal was that you were trying to complete these uh, subjects to be able to get items of the kids in the yearbook. So for example, let's say that I've got somebody in my yearbook who is a jock. I might collect a football. Maybe I collect a pair of cleats. I might collect a baseball bat. And if you collected, I believe it was four items of any one kid, you restored that kid. So as the more of their items that you collected, they would go back to being human. This is fairly morbid. It's very, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty morbid. But I think like one of them was like a musician. So you had to collect like sheet music, a clarinet, maybe a trombone or something. It was actually a really in-depth game that had a lot of levels of engagement to it that I really, I mean, I loved that crap when I was a kid. Ask Bro Mogan about it sometime. He will rave to you about Jumpstart fourth grade. Haunted Island. Yeah, I definitely. Not the Sapphire Falls bullshit. And I don't, I don't even remember that one. I just remember this one. You were like, I think Frankie was his name. It was a dog. Was like the main character, uh, and you would go on and like, and you just like we were in the school, and you would just complete various activities so at school. Like there was this one that was like for lunch games, you had to like match and like create all the order, all the uh, like food orders and everything that would need to go out. You know, obviously math skills and stuff there. But when you were talking about that one, the game, which I know we're kind of starting to get close to our time, so I want to rush through all these, but. The one that I remembered, and I played, I didn't play it at home and I didn't play it at friends. I played it at the library, actually, because that was where they had it. The Magic School Bus video computer games. Oh my God, you're right. Uh, Specifically, the one that was like dinosaurs. That was on the dinosaurs. Oh man, I don't know if I had the dinosaur one, but I I think I can remember playing at least a Magic School Bus game. There were, I mean, they were on several different things, but yeah, I remember the one about the dinosaurs. Good multi level marketing integration. I know, right? Magic School Bus Educational Show, Magic School Bus. What is that coming back to Netflix? Right? Get on it. I kind of want to watch it just out of curiosity to see how it's going to be. Yeah, that sounds. Super cool. But yeah, I remember that one. Specifically, there's this one level I remember you were like a little raptor or something and you were like, you know, as again, I remember those and I liked those a lot, especially because I remember they had the informational bits because obviously you would go to the different eras, Jurassic, oh. you know, all, all the other Cretaceous. Yes. Yeah, you don't even know the eras, you... Math and science, worst You ones. poser. <laughs> worst subjects for me. What, did you have any good subjects, Jared? Oh, history. History, yeah. For I'm sure. sure that was your favorite um, one. <laughs> which I know technically, I guess, dinosaurs is history, but not cool history. <laughs> not cool history. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I remember that one. You were like this raptor who would run around, and you had to like dodge other dinosaurs, and you were like jumping all over. the. It was like a, a, a one that was... Uh, I don't know. It was basically a platformer, but you were, you oh, know, okay. had all these diff- harder difficulties. You were like dodging things. Then I think even at one point in which one other period, you were even dodging, dodging like asteroids. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> stuff like that. But, that's uh, horrible. But yeah, shout out to the, shout out to the magic school bus series. Then the other one that has to be like uh, anybody, surely everybody has played this game or this. It wasn't even necessarily a game, but this, uh, sop, this program that had games in it. Were influential on everyone who knows how to type. Mavis Beacon. 
Did you not use Mavis Beacon? Mavis Beacon? Yeah. Mavis Beacon teaches typing. I'm I'm not. No. I will look this up. I'm not sure I've ever heard of this before. Several different versions of this, you know, because they would have to update it as the newest, latest, and greatest in typing came out. But they teaches typing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they de- they made her a cartoon now? Oh, oh god. Oh wait, so is that the real one? That's the real yeah, Mavis Beacon. That's the real Mavis Beacon. Mavis Beacon. She looks like a nice lady. Yeah, she was very oh, nice. So it's a real lady. Yeah. What the f- heckin' well, and I understand now this one too, like adults could use this. Alright, I'm gonna turn this my volume a- down, but I'm gonna watch a video of okay. this real quick. You keep talking. But so there I remembered in this one there's specifically one game that was somewhat similar to how Math Blaster would work. Where it was basically you were a spaceship. You're right, I did play this. Okay, I knew I you just, had I just to needed have. to see the view of it. I just I just wasn't able to see it. Oh my god, I remember and the you would have jet these games ski. that were like So the one I remembered though was you were a spaceship. And asteroids were like coming at you, and you had to type the word uh, that was oh. on the asteroids coming at you, and oh. your spaceship would shoot it and blow it up and all that stuff. That's cool. But obviously, like multiple asteroids start coming at the same time, so you're going like apple zoo, uh, all forest. Super. That's so stressful. Zimbabwe. Okay. It's like oh my god. <laughs> you know, and all this stuff, and then obviously, yeah, and then obviously the other ones that were straight up just speed drills and how fast you could type. Oh without my gosh, any mistakes that's stuff so like that. cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that game series helped me at all because I don't know if you know this. I didn't teach myself to type the real way yeah. until about a year ago. Really? True. So how did you do it before? I don't know if you've ever seen me type before. I, have uh, not. I wish you had your laptop here so that you could see me do it. I would only type with two fingers. And this one for the shift key when I needed it. And I would just go like this. And how fast could you be? Fast. Really? I was fast. That's why it was never a problem. Because I could just type with my two fingers. I did have to look at the keyboard. Uh, so it's not like I could look at the screen. I had to look at just the keyboard know. to keep my pace. But I like I never had typos, and I was fast. But I think it was when I like got into the real adult workplace. So you're telling me you played Mavis Beacon last year? No. No. Oh, so actually, this is a, this is kind of a fun modern take on educational games, I guess, is the way I taught myself to type the real way after like some coworkers pointed out, you type funny. And I was like, how about you mind your own goddamn business? Shut the fuck up. Would you shut the fuck up? No. So I finally taught myself to type the real way by using ratatype.com. Never use that. Which is just that. like, A, it's not fun for starters. So, so I probably Mavis need Beacon. Mavis Beacon. It wasn't like super fun, but it did actually help me learn to actually sit and type the real way. So I just very recently learned to type like a normal person. Fun fact. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Also fun fact about Mavis Beacon. In the so- uh, in the hit song Redbone from Childish Gambino, when for the first few times I heard that song and I just like heard little blips of it, when the store or the chorus would start, you know, stay woke, and then it would go into that. I swear to God, he was saying Mavis Beacon. <laughs> I now you should ask him. No, that's not what he's saying, and I can't say what he's actually saying. Oh, okay. But still. <laughs> In the in the clean versions that us white folk can say, it said they be creeping. It sounded like oh. Mavis Beacon, and then moving oh. on. And then, so oh, I know that I knew okay. in my head that was not the so real way actually, of how that song went. Should, but I but I started saying it that way, and it would oh like mess God, Sam so up and all funny. this other stuff. Was, you should pitch your version to uh, Kids Bop. Oh my God! You should, should. so that they can like tie like, in make Mavis it all Beacon. Around, all about yeah. You should do that. 
what would it be? Instead yeah, of, or like instead now of kids stay or whatever. Woke, what would it be? Instead of stay woke, Mavis Beacon, although that still works. Mavis Beacon's got to stay. Mavis, she's got to stay She's got to stay woke. So she knows how to deliver the best <laughs> that typing. That is so funny. That she can. But yeah. I'll have to think about that. I'll have to think about that. But man, as we, this is one of those things with like all these, these topics where we do like lists of these older, more nostalgic things. I always like just a, a million more keep coming into my so head. So one, I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about. I'm going to wrap it up real quick. Treasure Mountain. Oh my God. I don't think I played that Treasure one. Treasure Mountain was a fantastic game where you played a super seeker, like a nameless, faceless dude that just had a net and you were trying to get a bunch of treasures back from the Master of Mischief. And the Master of Mischief was at the top of a mountain, Treasure Mountain, and in order to scale up the mountain, you had to go around and capture elves in a butterfly net. The elves would then give you riddles, which were like questions about the world or something or something. Yeah. Math, of course. And if you answered the questions correctly, they would give you clues about where to find the key to get up the next part of the mountain. Best game except for jumpstart fourth grade haunted island <laughs> best educational game ever me and my sister oh our sister and i we would play treasure mountain to death so much so that on our jungle gym out or excuse me our playground literally in the backyard of our house like when we were little little kids we would play a game where we would run up our slide shouting Treasure Mountain and just actively trying to push each other off. <laughs> so no, it didn't actually have any educational impact on our lives, but yeah. boy, did we get bumps and bruises trying to play Treasure Mountain on the playground out back. Uh, and of course, the safe, fun version of the game back inside on our computer. Nice. Treasure Mountain, there 10 out of 10, would recommend. So another quick honorable mention, not an educational game, but it came up in my mind since my buddy who had Math Blaster growing up also had this game. Did you ever play... The great game inspired, although albeit a nonviolent version of Doom, made by Chex Serial called Chex Quest. No, <laughs> what? Well, there you have it. Chex it's basically Quest? old style Doom, but you're this guy, Chex, uh, the Chex guy. The Chex um, guy. <laughs> let's see who's in. Like his armor is a piece of oh Chex cereal. He looks like he's wearing a giant waffle. That's hilarious. And he basically fights aliens. But it like has Fantastic. the same look, feel, and everything of, of Ultimate Doom. Mention. But uh, it's Chex. <laughs> so my honorable mention will be Treasure Mountain, and yours is Chex Quest. Chex Quest. Chex Quest. Chex Quest. <laughs> well, that is uh, that about does it for our time that we have on this topic. But obviously, we could go on and on about these different educational games that we have played. And we would like to hear the ones that you played. If Did you play some of these games that we talked about? Oregon Trail, Amazon Trail, Africa Trail, Jumpstart, Fourth Grade, Carmen Island, San Diego, Carmen San Diego. Everybody we didn't even really that. even touch on Carmen San Diego. I know, we didn't get to talk enough about it. We talk a lot about Carmen San Diego. <gasps> Carmen San Diego. I don't even remember the theme song now. You're making crap up. I am making crap up. I'm trying to make it stick. It's like Mavis Beacon. But, Mavis Beacon. Uh, uh, but anyway, so let us know by writing into an email, teamchatpodcast at gmail.com, or writing a post on our Facebook, Twitter, replying in the YouTube comments below, commenting on our Instagram, all that stuff to let us know some of these old classic educational games that you played, or maybe even more modern versions of them, such as, shout out to... Assassin's Creed Discovery Tour and Assassin's Creed Origins. Yes, I wish we had had more time to touch on. I wish that, I had actually yeah. like kind of played that, game, yeah. but I had to uninstall it to make room <laughs> to for make Far room to make room for Far Cry, Cry 5. Five. And that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. I know I need to upgrade my hard drive in that. In my that's PS4. hilarious. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But before we go, we do have our soundtrack spotlight for this week. I'll be providing the track. 
it is one that we've talked about before. I don't think we've used it in any of the other uh, contests or any of it. And if we did, who cares? Who cares? We can do what we want. The past is the past. Past is the past. What's Rafiki say about the past? Wanky. Man. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's yeah, in the past. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. So the game that I want to talk about, the soundtrack that I want to talk about, is one of ours from, the, from Prey. Bethesda and Arcane Studios. Prey, composed by Mick Gordon, specifically with the title track, Everything is Going to Be Okay. I loved that track. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, we probably talked about this when we did our when we did our, when we talked the about the intro review was of the so demo. super jazzy. Yeah. Yes. Because obviously Doom uh, not Doom, Prey, uh, same composer. That's how I got mixed up in my head. Um, but, uh, you know, it, if you play the Prey and all that, you know, it's this very, uh, there are these, the mimics and all this stuff that are taking over the space station. It's very dark, very scary, very, uh, you know, survival horror-esque. Well, when the main credits of this are play, of the game start, when you're playing, you're in this helicopter flying around in San Francisco, I believe. Yeah, some sort um, of you're like seeing, city. Yeah, and you're flying in this helicopter, and this song starts off. It's very techno, very uh, synth-heavy. It's very, like, very pop and poppy. very, yeah. Yeah, it, and everything fits. When it started, I was like, okay, what's this now? And because it didn't seem to fit with at all what the what preconceived in my head what I thought the music of Prey would sound like. So for that reason, it's an excellent track. Everything is going to be okay by Mick Gordon from Prey. But sadly, as long as much as I wish we could continue talking about educational games for another hour or so, we have to bring this episode to a close. So until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Jumpstart fourth grade Holland Island. Best game ever, apparently. Best game ever. We'll see you all next time. Stick around with the song.